pens and the best pens coverage. WXDX FM Pittsburgh, an iHeart Radio station. The Penguins aren't in great shape. There's there's something that's off. Except for Phil. Phil's not off. Phil is just just feeling it. Phil's been unbelievable. But the rest of the team, there's just something that's not going on. Is it as simple as needing to manufacture that urgency that leads to their speed, that leads to the one and only way that Mike Sullivan has them playing? And that's all out. Pedal through the floor. What's the solution for that? I mean, it's easy to say, well, make a fantabulous trade. But for the time being, and until it happens, that's fantasy land. What what can be done with the existing roster? What can be done with the existing players? Is it line combinations? Is it just the, you know, having to ride it out and wait for the optimal versions of Sid, Gino, especially Chris Letang? who has struggled. This segment of the show is sponsored by 84 Lumber, helping you build since 1956, 84 Lumber. The number to call is 412-333-9939 for your thoughts on this. Chris on the road, you're on 105.9 X. Be careful on the road, by the way. What's that? Be careful on the road, man. It doesn't look too good out here on Green Tree Hill. Absolutely. <laughs> Listen, I wanted to. He made a comment about Kessel, and uh, I just wanted. Uh, Kessel hasn't been my favorite player the past couple of years, regardless of uh, the scoring. But he's he's always been bad against the boards, and, and his forecheck's always been horrible. But I tell you what, this year he's really turned it around. So I mean, it's nice to see that someone's doing well. Yeah, and uh, and, 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 and it's it, been it's been in both directions. Uh, I I wrote a column uh, a little bit ago, just a few days ago, for the site that called attention to some of the things that Phil was doing in his defensive zone. Uh, he had kind of the, the awkward giveaway last night where he was basically just clearing the puck out of the slot and ended up right back on that dude's stick, and he shot sure, it from a mile away and it gets deflected in. But Phil's been really diligent in his own zone. Also, you know what else, Chris? Watch him, especially if you're at the arena, uh, watch him on the back check, stuff that you can't see on TV. Watch how he's been the F3 guy, meaning the first forward back, more right. often than not on his line. Think about that. We're talking about Phil Kessel here. Well, that's I mean, I, I've never seen him in the past few years actually behind a net, and this is the first time I've seen him doing that kind of work, and definitely appreciate that. Yeah, there's a lot to appreciate, but you know what? As soon as you mention anything at all positive about Phil's play, to anyone on the coaching staff, uh, including Mike Sullivan, you know what they'll say back to you is that it all comes down to the conditioning work that he did coming into training camp and coming off of two straight cup runs and almost never, the, the dude never misses a game. Right. Uh, for him to make that kind of commitment coming into this training camp, one which no one would have blamed anybody if they had said, you know what, I had to cut it back this year. Right. He he went and did the opposite, and there's a lot to be said for that. I appreciate the call. 412-333-9939 is the number. Penguins, Steelers, 
Pittsburgh's new most worshipped team, the Patriots, Pirates, whatever you got, give me a call. Joe in the Penn Hills. You're on 105.9 X. How you doing? Hi, Joe. Um, a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year and a healthy one. Well, thanks, and same to you. Appreciate that. Listen, I, I, I'm going to bring the Pirates this time. You know, we got a lot of pens, but I read the article again in the Post-Gazette, and it's the same baloney, you know, restricted, straining, can't, no cash. And here's the thing, Don. Uh, they are going to have a new contract next year. They were talking in that article about $50 million each ball club. TV still has four years to give him $25 million on April the 1st. They have revenue sharing. He's always made a profit, and the club goes up in value most $100 million a year. He bought it for $96 million, and it's $1.3 billion now. Yeah, hey, Joe. Joe, I have no idea what article you read. You need to be reading DKPittsburghSports.com. Let's, let's, let's start with that, all right? Yeah, but I didn't read that, sir. Yeah, okay, but I'm t- let's, let's start with that simple concept right there. Uh, the Pirates are making a decent amount of money. I've always felt that they've been about 10 or $15 million under where they should be spending, but there's also a lot of bad information out there as well. And again, I didn't see the piece that you're referring to. In the post, is that again, I didn't see the piece that you're referring I to. I just get told that, that, that you keep crying, they keep crying, but if it's that But much, when you're talking, what you have to understand is that when you're, when you're talking about revenue, revenue sharing money, when you're talking about increases in Major League Baseball advanced media money, uh-huh. every check is identical and goes to the same team, the same teams. Yeah. You I, understand I, that? Yeah, but can he, like you say, like you say, can he put fifteen or twenty million and maybe go over the hump? Look at the ninety-eight wins. He gets rid of Neil. Well, Walker. that's a different, but that's a different argument there. Okay, they yeah. what, what happened after the ninety? What happened after the ninety-eight win season, Joe? Was that they did stupid things at the baseball level? Or oh, you're not kidding? Okay, when we talk about after the ninety-eight win season, the first thing people mention is ah, payroll this, payroll that. They traded Neil Walker for John Neese. Do you know how much money they saved in that deal? That was an even for that year. Yes, it was. So why are we talking about payroll when you have a bad baseball trade? I can't believe they signed uh, Huntington and Hurdle for four years each. For well, Clint Hurdle's done a terrific job as the Pirates manager. They got manager. him for 75 wins this year on the baseball station right now. You know, it's a prediction. but What I mean, baseball station? Oh, uh, you know, NBL, Major League Baseball. They just had it on now. They had the uh, Cubs winning it, and they had all the, you know, it's a projection. But I'm a diehard. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an old Yeah, you're struggling, man. You're, you're, you're all over the place here. Look, the, bo- the bottom uh, line is, the bottom line is, the, one, the Pirates' greatest problem is the one that you don't talk about and that nobody talks about, and that's the fact that their guys can't draft and develop talent. Amen. Okay. Yeah, but you didn't bring it up, did you? Well, I can't bring up everything like you said. Okay, but that's actually number one. You know, the 98-win the, the season would have been followed by a whole lot more if they had been able to go to Indianapolis and Altoona and say, hey, but look, we've got these guys coming up. Instead of just winning with Dave Littlefield's players, Pretty much for a decade now. I appreciate yeah. the call. Man, when we start talking pirates, it's just so irritating. How does anybody do this on a regular basis? I know the, the, the person who sits here normally does not, much to his credit. 
because it just has that effect on you because you're you're used to talking about sports in a sportsy kind of way, you know? Like when we're talking about the Penguins, we're at least talking about you know, line combinations and what's wrong with Latang and breakouts. When we're talking about the Steelers, we're talking about, you know, the value of putting Joe Hayden in over Cody Sensabaugh and what it's going to mean against the Patriots. And you start talking about the Pirates, and it's just all this stuff that has nothing to do with anything. Zach and Whitehall, please, let's talk about something else. Hey, uh, I, I subscribe to your site and. uh, we're off to a good start. <laughs> Unlike my man Joe, who's reading a newspaper. Matt Geiker wrote an interesting article the other day about whether Pittsburgh's uh, Penguins Town or Hockey Town. Mm-hmm. I was hoping to get your thoughts on that because I kind of I'm an RMU grad, so I kind of, that kind of hit home with me because it doesn't really seem like Pittsburgh really does support the hot, only hockey team we have. So I found that article be kind of like, you know. It kind of spoke to me a little bit. Yeah, I can uh, see. I can see where the concept would. I think where, and I wish you had been able to ask this while Matt was still here, because now I'm going to have a debate with Matt when he's not here. But the the part, the the premise that that I wouldn't share with Matt, and we disagree at our website all the time, as you know, on sports stuff, uh, is the idea that attendance at a Robert Morris game would be the the barometer for this to me if you're a hockey town as opposed to a penguins town the number one place to show that is in the youth and participation levels if you are out there filling the rinks if your beer league is going at four in the morning because that's the only time that you could find ice then you're a hockey town if your ratings for games that are not penguins nhl games outdoor classic awards shows, the draft, whatever it is, are the best in the country, then you're a hockey town, not a Penguins town. Uh, to me, Robert Morris's issues as a hockey program aren't reflective of the community. They're reflective of Robert Morris's, the university's, negligence and inability and unwillingness to support the hockey program at a fraction of what they support Andy Tool's basketball program. And I'm glad Coach Tool is getting what he wants with that basketball arena. But the fact that the Robert Morris hockey team, which has actually been far more successful and uh, is playing a sport that's the hottest thing in town, they basically have to play out of the equivalent of a tent on Neville Island. That That's not something that I hold the, the community at large responsible for. I appreciate the call. James in Shenley Park, you're on 105.9 The X. I'd just like to point out one fact. A year ago at this time, Flurry's record was 9-6-3 with a goals against approaching 3.5. So while not great, Murray's numbers are actually uh, better. And the thing that bothers me about the Penguins this year is the, their sense of entitlement. I mean, until, uh, hmm. first of all, I agree with Mike Sullivan. He says the answers are in the locker room. Until the Penguins quit the sense of entitlement attitude, it's going to be more of the same. Yeah, it's I mean, do you think change. that's... Let me ask you it's this. It's got to play at the first yeah. puck drop. Yeah, that's not what I was about to bring up period. here. Yeah, not wait till a third period. they got to play right from the first puck yeah, drop. It's both like, ends. It's, both it, ends. It's like they go out on the rink at the beginning saying, man, we kind of hope things go well for the first 10 minutes because then we're going to really take over this game. And so many times they try to score the first goal to the point that they're giving a multiple chance. How many times have we seen a two-on-one, a three-on-two, or a three-on-one going the other way? 
in the first ten minutes. My God, there was a three on none a few months, a few weeks ago. It's almost, three on none. Yeah, it's almost like it would be less damning if they didn't have these games where they go out there and just blow somebody off the rink. Because they, they can still do that, especially when their backs are against the wall or they have had a little bit of a losing streak and they really want to show something. It would almost be less damning if they were to do none of those and just look constantly tired. But this really, this is, I, I believe this is more about mental fatigue than it is physical. Um, these guys have played a lot of huge, like biggest games of their lives kind of games over the last couple of years. So when you go out there on a Monday night and it's Colorado and you remember just destroying that team, you know, not that long ago, and you know that they give up a lot of goals and you know that they put Jonathan freaking Bernier in net with his, what was it, an 871 save percentage, and you're thinking, you know what, we're just going to pop a couple here early and make it happen. Uh, that's mental fatigue. That's not being sharp enough. Are we taking a break, Bob? We are. When we come back, we're going to hear from Colin on the road. Hang with us, Colin. 412-333-9939 is the number if you want to join him. Filling in for Mark Madden, I'm Dan Kovacevic of DKPittsburghSports.com. You're listening to 105.9 The X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. You people wouldn't understand that because you don't have groins. You're a funny guy. That is very funny. Don't interrupt me. The X at 105.9. Taking calls on all subjects. It's been mostly hockey so far. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DKPittsburghSports.com, filling in for Mark Madden here on 105.9 The X. And we've been complaining about the Penguins' really, I guess, static-slash-inconsistent play more than anything. And we've been trying to find somebody to blame, but it, it isn't easy. And in all fairness, every time somebody's tried to point a specific finger, I've been kind of shooting it down here. Let's see what Gary and Wexford's got for us. Gary, you're on 105.9 The X. Good afternoon, sir. Hi, Gary. Very happy subscriber. Thank you. Um, Penguins this year, to me, a couple things. One, I think you can only play the same way. You know, you always hear Mike Sullivan say, play our game, play our game before the league catches up to it and starts to solve certain aspects of it. And that's a lot of what I'm seeing is the prevention of zone entry and the counterattack from other teams. They seem to be preparing for it, leaving one winger up the board and mm -hmm. getting ready to counterattack. Well, you say I catching up to them. I wonder, Gary, especially after these last couple of games, if we're not referring to that in the literal sense. You know what I mean? Yeah, you might be right. I mean, yeah. think about this. Uh when, you know, I, I don't like giving the Rangers credit for this, and not just because they're the Rangers, but, you know, three or four years <laughs> ago when, the, when the, the Rangers were looking like a really good team and they had all those fast guys, including Carl Hagelin, you know, Matt Zuccarello, everybody, right. and everyone was saying, like, wow, this, this could be the next thing. It was actually the Islanders, if you'll recall, from four or five years yeah. ago who were just, Octoso, oh, yeah. man, stacked with fast guys, right? And only, only Garth Snow could have blown that, and he did. But <laughs> with the Penguins, there's no question that the, the, it's a copycat league. And when you see somebody win a championship, you think, all right, well, there's, there's the road. That's, that's, the, that's the road map. And the Penguins, of course, 
were very, very fast. So what were teams going to prioritize after that? They were going to start loading up on fast guys. And right. the the easiest way to get faster is to get younger. So here come the Maple Leafs, who are really young, the Avalanche, who are mostly young. And, you know, they were they were faster. They were quicker. Maybe the Penguins, like, on their best day could outskate these guys, you know, if they're just, like, game seven speed. But as it was, they were faster. And I, I just wonder if that part isn't catching up to them as well. You know what I mean? Yeah, that was the second part of what I was going to say this year is there's no infusion of new youth. I know we're still a young team, but you had people like pushing people like Kunitz yep. down the lineup. Yep. That's not happening. That's that's what I said to Matt ready. Geitka in the last half hour when he was here in studio that my number one disappointment for this season so far to date hasn't been in Pittsburgh. It's been Daniel Sprong, and to a lesser extent, because I think less was expected of him right away, yeah. Zach Aston Reese. Um, you know, two years ago, you had that whole wave. That's what you're referring to of guys coming yeah. up, the Brian Rust, Connor Sheary guys, right? And then last year, Jake Gensel shows up and pops 14 goals in the playoffs. Fact of the matter is, you need that. You need Absolutely. some kind of, especially for a team that's coming off back-to-back championships and has played 200 games. Hockey teams need to change more than any other sport. Uh, I'd put football up there, too, but yeah, I, I, your, your point yeah, is definitely right. right. I appreciate the call. Let's go to Colin on the road. You're on 105.9 The X. Hey, Dejan. How you doing? Hi, Colin. Hey, I just had two quick uh, Penguins questions for you. My first one is, uh, if the Penguins are going to be looking for uh, third-line center, who do you think that the Penguins' most uh, potential trade pieces would be? Uh, I mean, I don't think there will be pieces. I, I think you know, w- once you get to later in the year, later in the season, you're taking on salary. You're taking on salary from a team that doesn't have any u- use for that player because they're out of contention, and then from there you're giving them draft picks. I mean, that's just been the M.O. for a while. If you look back at, at Rutherford's deadline deals in particular, the ones as he gets into February, he's been sending out draft picks. And, and there's there's a danger that comes with that, obviously. You know what I mean? Um, Absolutely, You yeah. don't want the next generation of Penguins to just be, well, literally bankrupt, but also bankrupt in the drafting sense because we've seen with the Pirates uh, what happens whenever you don't draft well. You don't have a second wave. You know, you win 98 games and then you fall off a cliff and everybody in town thinks it's payroll and you get away with it, but not to get on that subject again. But but in the Penguins' case, uh, you know, I think that's going to be the, the cost. I don't think it's going to be a player. A, a, a true hockey trade uh, is not likely that time of year. Okay, and then just the second part was, I just wanted to know if you think that the Penguins can still be uh, a dominant team without a super solid uh, backup goalie like Marc-Andre Fleury was for us last year. Well, a dominant team in the sense of the goaltending tandem, you know, you're just not going to see that again. I, I, I wouldn't want to lay that on Tristan Jerry. I mean, that, that was an unusual circumstance. Uh, the Penguins made a commitment to keeping Fleury, even though they knew they were going to lose him uh, in the expansion draft. Um, that was done for a reason. I really like what what we've seen of the kids so far. Do you like him? 
I, yeah, I love him so far. I yeah, I mean, great. he's but he's not going to be, you know, he's not going to come in and single handedly beat Columbus and Washington. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just, yes. you, you, it's asking too much. Uh, a lot of years, a lot of work, a lot of backward steps, and everything else led toward Flurry getting to that point in his career where he could be that fantastic. But uh, look around the National Hockey League right now, all 31 franchises, you're not going to find anybody that goes too deep the way the Penguins did in those playoffs. So that was uh, unusual, but a highly welcome circumstance. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Stan Saverin here on the show. Filling in for Mark Madden, I'm Dan Kovacevic. You're listening to 105.9 The X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. No one wants to hear your life story. What do you want to say on my radio show? How you doing, Mike? Mark, how you doing? Call me Mike. DX at 105.9. Filling in for Mark Madden, I'm Dan Kovacevic of DKPittsburghSports.com here on 105.9 The X. And this is the point in the week where Mark always brings in the maven himself, Stan Saverin, sponsored by Shenderovich, Shenderovich, and Fishman. Hi, Stan. Dan, how are you? I have no complaint. Well, actually, I have one. I'll see if I can help you. I am the godfather, after all. You know what? You're actually going to be better qualified than anybody in this city to answer this question. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm thinking through my past rapidly now. When is the last time this city and its sports fans had this much of an open and comfortable inferiority complex with one particular franchise the way this city does with the Patriots. There's just this this worship out there about the Patriots. There's no way in the world the Steelers can beat them. What is that? Well, um, uh, I, I would say when the Penguins were 0-39-3 against the Flyers, <laughs> although the, that was justified. It wasn't worship, though. It was pure hatred, and there's a lot of that, too. Um, look, I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to go on record now because I went on record in July, before training camp opened, and I said at that point, this Steelers team is good enough to beat the Patriots. And as the season got underway, I said this Steelers team is good enough to beat the Patriots in Foxborough in the AFC Championship game. Now, that doesn't mean that they will. That I'm not predicting that they will. But I'm telling you people, they're good enough to do it. Now, I said that not knowing that Ryan Chazier would not be there. And I know that's an easy excuse, but you can make the argument he is their most important defensive player. Uh, I said that not knowing about Joe Hayden. We still don't know about Joe Hayden. And there have been some surprises along the way. The Steelers' offense is... Um, performing like we thought it was. Unfortunately, the Steel, so is the Steeler defense, uh, like we thought it was going to be in August, and then they surprised us a bit, and they've got to be better than they were against Baltimore. But I do not think, despite a 10-3 record, the Patriots are as good as they've been. I just don't. Uh, they're still good. Believe me, I respect them. How can you not? You have to give them their respect. But I think a combination of the Steelers being better in certain areas and the Patriots not being as good. Now, we'll see what happens, but I'm just not walking into this thing, and it's an, it, it's an automatic thing. Yeah, that, that's, the, that's the thing that gets me. is that It's almost like there's a defense mechanism that's up, you know, because people are so used to having their hopes dashed by the Patriots. The Steelers make it, they get close, and then there's the Patriots. Yeah. And, and now it's like... 
okay, well, we're just going to assume that they're going to lose, and that way it won't be so emotionally crushing when it happens. You know what I mean? I said, you know, once burned, twice shy. You know, you get hit in the head several times. You begin to uh, uh, either cover up or duck, you know, one or the other. I mean, I understand all that, hope against hope. Um, but I also think it's important to, to point out a couple things. Uh, number one, this, other than less than 15 minutes last year, the Steelers have never played the Patriots with the Killer Bees. They've never played a game against the Patriots in this era with Ben, A.B., and Le'Veon Bell, other than less than one quarter last year when he got the groin injury and they took him out. That's number one. Number two, when you stop and think about their history against the Patriots, um, in 2001, I thought the Steelers were the better team and should have won, and they won on special teams play. Good for them. But in 2004, I'm sorry, I thought the Patriots were a better team. It did not come as a major surprise to me, even though the Steelers were 15-1. and won. Um, You know, 2011, a regular season game, you know, they played a game against them. I, I think one game Matt Castle, uh, you know, played in 2008, I guess it was, um, whatever. Um, and the other thing was shocking, in 2004, the Patriots came in to Heinz Field undefeated, and the Steelers whacked them. They were up 21 nothing in the first quarter. Deshea Townsend returned a touchdown pass, uh, a touchdown uh, interception. Uh, Hines caught a pass. Flexco caught a touchdown pass. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the Patriots had the better of it. But if we're talking about the modern era, the Ben era, he's never had A.B. and Le'Veon Bell to go against them. Exactly. And we're talking about the really, really modern era, meaning counting last night in Miami, the Patriots have arguably, certainly in some statistical senses, the worst defense in the NFL. And yet that never comes up. It's always Tom Brady's 10-2 and against the Steelers, 29 touchdowns, three interceptions, hasn't thrown an interception in 12 years against the Steelers, never mind that they don't play each other very often. To me, I can't get past that if you look at the way the Steelers won, and they were talking about this a lot in the locker room the other night. They feel like their offense is at the point now where they can afford to get into a shootout, and they just proved that with Baltimore, 39-38, obviously. And how do you look at that New England defense, watch them get picked apart by Jay freaking Cutler and say, wow, that's your favorite in this game? Well, I think there are a couple things, Dan. I know that some people think that they can, you know, win shootouts. It's one thing to win shootouts against Joe Flacco. It's another one to win it against this guy. Um, and, and he didn't have Gronk last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, the Steelers didn't have, you know, Shazier or Hayden uh, against Baltimore. So, okay. Um, uh, I still think you've got to play better defense. I mean, the one thing that the Dolphins did, they exerted pressure on Brady. Yes. No quarterback likes it. He hates it. You know, there's a difference. And, yeah, he didn't have Gronk to go to, but they won a Super Bowl without Gronk last year. The other thing is, um, when I look at the Patriot defense, that's why I say they're not as good as they once were. However, they have gotten better. I mean, if you're looking at where a team is at on December the 12th versus where they were at September the 12th, they had big issues. We saw Kansas City tear them up. Uh, we saw uh, Carolina score 33 points on them. But if you look at them over the last four, five, six weeks, they have gotten better. So it, to me, it's not the stats. It's not the numbers because, frankly, the Steeler defense statistically looks terrific. But we all know the last four or five weeks, not 
coincidentally, after Joe Hayden left, uh, you know, their numbers are still a product of you know that stretch where they played very well. But we all know that the last four or five weeks, they've given up an awful lot of big plays. We also see in the last couple of games, they've been run on by teams that aren't particularly good running teams. You know, don't discount that Patriot run game. You know, nobody ever pays attention to that. You know, Brady and Gronkowski and, you know, whoever the wide receiver, you know, whether it's Cooks or whoever it happens to be, they hurt you with that run. They hurt you with running backs out of the backfield like they used to with Kevin Falk. So um, I don't think the, the Patriots are as good as they once were, but I also, I'm not going to, you know, I don't want to get sucked in by the Patriots' numbers because if you look over the last four, five, six weeks, they have gotten better and playing their, last night notwithstanding, playing their best, although getting picked apart by Jay Cutler. Yeah. You know, that, you know, <laughs> I mean, you There's not too many places to hide from that. <laughs> you can't ignore that, but then again, the Steelers lost to the Bears. So, uh, you know, those are, uh, you know, those things happen. That is, that is. True. And I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, the Steelers still have to beat the Patriots. Um, and the one thing that the Patriots losing last night is if the Steelers do beat the Patriots, then they can afford to lose one of the last two games. Um, if they lose to the Patriots, then the chances are they're not going to get home field advantage. I just wonder about the Patriots' mindset. And maybe this sort of jives with what you're talking about, you know, that, that fear of the Patriots. Um, they're going to be in an awfully bad mood when they get here. Uh, I don't know if that's going to matter. I mean, the Steelers recognize this is a big game. Uh, somebody pointed out to me today on my show, well, the Patriots don't lose two games in a row very often. That's because they don't lose one game in, in, yeah, very right. often. So the, it, but, I mean, I, I wonder about their mindset. But I also think maybe it's a good thing for the Steelers to say, hey, like you're saying, they're not supermen. You know, they're, they're, in, they're not infallible. They're not invincible. And I don't know what you thought about when Tomlin started talking about the elephant in the room a couple, three weeks ago, uh, you know, way out of character for any coach, really. I honestly think he did that to send a message to his own team, which he uses the media for, saying, we're not afraid of these guys. We respect them, but he's telling his players, you're every bit as good as they are. Don't fall into that trap because I think the Patriots any any champion wins a lot of games because teams are in awe of them. Yeah, there's there's no question about that. Stan, one of the things that 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 stood out for me, not necessarily in a positive sense the other night against Baltimore, was watching William Gay running around behind the defensive line calling signals frantically, running from player to player and shouting in his ear. And I just wonder how much of what we saw the Ravens be able to do, especially in the running game, which you're correct to mention about New England, I just wonder how much of that the Steelers can possibly get resolved. You know what I mean? I mean, they don't yeah. even have – I mean, and Mike Tomlin repeated it today. They don't still have one guy that they're going to replace him with. Well, that to me says you're still going to be struggling for signal calling, never mind everything else that Ryan Shazier brings. I, I couldn't agree more. I think it's a major factor. Um, you know, the, the options are, you know, find the best of the group. Um, you know, they said, you know, they started Sean Spence in the game, but I think you also have to recognize that Sean Spence, when he last played, I don't even think Butler was the defensive coordinator yet. I'm, I might be wrong about that, but, you know, some things have changed. Um, you know, they're, they're limited, uh, in, in what they can, uh, what they're able to do. The players that they have are limited. Um, I asked Tomlin today about Matikiewicz. We don't know about him, but we also saw him in the Cincinnati game. He, you know, he's lost. He's a good run stuffer, 
but they're going to have to change what they've done defensively, not only because losing Shazier hurts, which obviously it does, but if you look at how they played with Shazier, they, he didn't have any sacks, right? Vince Williams had seven. Why? Because they would send Vince Williams right. on blitzes and keep Shazier back. Now, you do not want Vince Williams in pass coverage. Um, by the way, he was terrible Sunday night, uh, missing tackles. That's something the guy who plays his position cannot do. But you do not want him back in coverage. And the one thing that I do fear is that they drafted a guy like Shazier and Spence originally before he got hurt to run with tight ends. The truth of the matter is, one of the personnel guys said, this is when the Patriots had both Gronkowski and, and Hernandez. He said, that's where the game is going. We need middle linebackers who can run with these guys. So that's why they drafted Spence, and then a year later, they drafted Shazier. Well, uh, now Spence is not that same guy, and Shazier's not there. Um, I, I, don't, you know, I, I don't know what the answer to that is, I, you know, and I don't want Vince Williams dropping back in coverage. No, and, and you know, Bud Dupree's done a lot of dropping and covering tight ends, but um, he's had some other minuses on the field uh, of late, particularly in setting the edge against the rush. And it, it, yeah, I mean, I, I'll tell you what, Stan, I agree with you. As much as I possibly can, that the, the player they could least afford to lose on defense is the one that they lost uh, in Ryan Shazier, and if they can make up for that somehow, my goodness, can you imagine? Yeah, that's um, uh, that, that's that's a really tough blow. Uh, you know, losing as we found out last year, losing Hayward um, is tough. Although there they were in the AFC Championship game without him. By the way, he's got to step up his game, and so does Tuit. They were not good against Baltimore. They weren't good against Cincinnati. Uh, you know, you're getting run on by those teams, um, but. Uh, Hayden would be big, Dan, if he can come back. You know, they want to play more man. I don't see how they can do that if he's not available. Um, but the one thing they cannot do is physically, if he's not completely ready, let's remember something now. And, you know, this is the biggest regular season game they've played, and I can't even remember how long. Uh, but I also think you have to remember it's not the playoffs. It's not the AFC championship game. If Hayden's not ready to go, you know, in about three weeks, they're going to be playing playoff games. You're going to need them then. So I think you have to, you know, keep that in mind, too. Losing this game would be a big disappointment for them, but they're still going to be in the playoffs, and chances are they're still going to get a bye. No question. Stan Saverin, thank you so much, as always. My pleasure, Dan. Enjoyed it. When we come back, we're going to take some more of your calls, 412-333-9939. And we're going to be checking in with our producer, Bob McLaughlin, on the Mike with Bob segment. Filling in for Mark Madden, I'm Dan Kovacevic. You're listening to 105.9 The X. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. This is Mark Madden. It is. A double M, big fan. I think there's a better chance of me and Selena Gomez being parents to triplets. The X at 105.9. This segment of the Mark Madden Show is sponsored by Matt Mertz Plumbing. Count on a name you can trust. Joined now by... Bob McLaughlin, our producer, on the Mike with Bob segment. Hi, Bob. DK, did you get your toilet paper, your bread, and your milk? Because it's looking nasty outside. Dude, you're talking about somebody who walks around in Winnipeg with a T-shirt. <laughs> oh, that's right. This that's is... Right. This is You're loving this. This is nothing. What if the Steelers and Patriots were playing right now? Since everything this week it revolves around Steelers-Patriots, if they played in this mess... Would they have any more of a chance? You to know win? what? None of it matters because the entirety of Pittsburgh, at least according to social media and our comments on our site and everything else, suggests that people are currently are hiding under their desks in fear 
of the Patriots. Our, our city has just become afflicted, if you will, with this this little brother syndrome that's so unbecoming of Pittsburgh, you know? Yeah, it's funny. I mean, there is there is a concern there. It's going to be tough for the Steelers to beat the Patriots, but I think that as the weeks have come and gone, uh, people have dialed it up a little bit. Um, now, last night's loss by the Patriots to the Miami Dolphins, I certainly didn't see that coming, but it really doesn't change my... Outlook on what's going to happen Sunday at 425 No, because we are shaped by something that happened in 2004 or something that happened last season. Never mind that so many of the players have changed, that this team has actually gotten better significantly, the Steelers, than they were last year. doesn't matter. We burn something in our heads, and that's that. <laughs> right. I still think, though, that the Steelers have a, a, an, a chance at winning on Sunday, obviously. Sure they do. You know, Ben is playing huge right now. He's not Big Ben. He's huge Ben right now. A.B. is just the go-to guy. Um, if you need him in any situation, any scenario, uh, I don't know if I've ever seen a player be that, you know, counted upon yeah. and, and deliver. Reliable. And de- yeah. Reliable, yeah. yeah. I mean, that the is ball the goes word. in the air, and you just assume one way or another. Right, and in the situations that he comes through in, it's not like, oh, we need a second down nope. and eight right now. Let's get him across the middle. No, it's it's game coming to a close, third and whatever. He comes across the middle, flashes wide open. Wide open. Because of his first move, and then takes it for another 20-plus yards. It's it's pretty incredible. Um, I, but I don't that th- team has no chance. Right, and in the eyes of a lot of people, right. well, that you know, that's the easy narrative. You, you've been in this business it's long everywhere, enough. Everywhere, Bob, I've never seen anything like this. I'm born and raised here. So are you? Never seen this city just roll over and play dead the well, way people are. If you say something, it's, this is where it's gotten. If you say something negative about the Patriots, a Steelers fan will bite your head off now. Right, right. I have seen, that. but then again, I think that a lot of fans out there. You know, DK, they don't want to be the guy who's just all black and gold colored glasses. You know, they don't want to be the person saying, oh, yeah, Steelers got this in a heartbeat because it's, you know, absolutely the toughest. You don't think it's a defense mechanism? It's like, oh, you know what? We have no chance. I'm going into this. I'm going into this like they're going to lose. I don't get disappointed. But with some, yeah. I think it's with everybody. I don't know about with everybody. Not universally. You know what I mean. Most people. in, In our business. Yeah. I think that it just tends to skew that way because that's, you know, how did you start the show today? I don't even remember, Bob. With the that, penguins. Was, that was 3 o'clock. What is, what is the narrative <laughs> of the Penguins right now? It's the uh, old oh, it's scapegoat game. Yeah, absolutely. Right. It, it, from Ryan Whitney to, you know, any backup goalie that you had over the years to right now it's, you know, squarely on 58 because that's the but easy But it's like narrative. we're not even looking at the real numbers here. I mean, it, okay, New England's got one of the worst defenses in the NFL. I mm-hmm. understand they've gotten better in terms of points allowed lately. They've buckled down in their own in their own territory, as Mike Tomlin was emphasizing today. However, they're a much worse defense than Cincinnati or Baltimore that we just saw, and yet no one went into those games thinking, oh, they're never going to score. This is different. Belichick's a genius. They're just going to shut them down. You no, know? you're absolutely right, and it'll be really interesting um, as the calls keep coming in and you keep seeing the articles and you keep seeing the texts and tweets and everything like that, if that narrative starts to change a little bit as you get closer to game time and as the realization you know, sets in that this is not the Patriots no. team from those dominant, you know, a Tom Brady years. offense, a right. Tom Brady offense went 0 for 11 on third downs against bleeping Miami last <laughs> night. And we're all like... 
bunkering. You know, we're, we're just hiding, not from the snow, but from the Patriots. Anyway, when we come back from this very brief break, I'm going to take some of your calls on this. Assuming the phones work down in the bunkers, 412-333-9939. Filling in for Mark Madden, I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DKPittsburghSports.com. You're listening to 105.9 The X.